I'm Zivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zivyowens.com for updates on podcast guests and lots of live events. Today's episode has been sponsored by Good Pods. It's a really amazing app where you can follow your smartest, funniest, most curious podcast junkie friends and other people you admire to see what podcasts they're listening to, and it's all by episode. So I know I have my own podcast, but even I find myself overwhelmed by how many episodes there are of other podcasts and what I should listen to next. So Good Pods is still in beta, and they're looking for testers who will give them honest feedback. So you can go to Good Pods on the App Store or Google Play and check out which podcast your friends are listening to. And by the way, go on there and show them that you're listening to my podcast. That would really be awesome. So anyway, Good Pods was founded by a friend I used to work with many moons ago in, I guess, 1999, which really ages me here. But anyway, JJ Ramberg and I used to work together at a big company called Idealab. If anybody heard of that, she was with the site called cooking.com and I was with Idealab. And now she started Good Pods, among many other endeavors that she's done. Um, and this she's done with her brother, Brad Ramberg, who was also at Idealab with me. So all comes full circle. So anyway, thank you to JJ and Brad and everybody uh, at Good Pods for sponsoring this episode and for making a new searchable listening tracking thing for podcasts, which is going to be super helpful in helping people find great podcasts, hopefully like mine. (laughs) Thank you. I'm doing a Skype today with Katherine Schwarzenegger Pratt, who is the best-selling author of The Gift of Forgiveness, inspiring stories from those who have overcome the unforgivable. She's also the author of bestseller Rock What You've Got, children's book Maverick and Me, and I Just Graduated, Now What? She's an animal advocate who serves as an ambassador for Best Friends Animal Society and the ASBCA. And according to her website, she calls herself a daughter, sister, wife, and stepmom. She currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Chris Pratt, the actor, and their family. Welcome, Catherine. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you mind telling listeners what your latest book, The Gift of Forgiveness, is about? And the subtitle is Inspiring Stories from Those Who Have Overcome the Unforgivable. So I'm giving a little clue, but... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a collection of different interviews that I've done over the past two years with 22 really inspiring people who have practiced and struggled with forgiveness in different ways. And the goal with it is really just to have people read the book and be inspired to practice forgiveness in their lives. And when I personally was struggling with forgiveness, I found the most helpful advice to come from people's personal experiences with forgiveness and being able to apply their nuggets of wisdom to my own journey. So I wanted to turn it into a book to get as many people, you know, helped in their forgiveness journey as possible. And tell me about what happened with your best friend. In the introduction, you talk about how some conflict you had with her is basically what inspired you to go on this sort of quest for other people's ways of forgiving people. What, what Can you say what happened? Well, I had a falling out with a best friend that really, you know, triggered my interest in forgiveness and also my curiosity around what forgiveness meant to me at that point in my life and figuring out how I, you know, struggled with it, what the role it would play in my life and how to practice it for me personally. So um, there have been, you know, a variety of different things in life in general that require forgiveness or bring up forgiveness. But for me, I felt like that was the point at which I was struggling the most with it. So I started wanting to kind of go and find books or inspiration or 
seminars to kind of guide me through my forgiveness journey. And I found talking to other people about their journeys was the most helpful. And how did you select the 22 to include in the book? Did you interview way more people than this, but these are the ones you ended up with? And and how did you, I mean, you range from, you know, a victim of Larry Nassar's to a, a man whose family was killed in a car accident, Elizabeth Smart, a mother of a Columbine. I mean, th- there it was all over the place. How did you find them and how did you choose? Well, I wanted to come up with a really great list of people who I thought had a, you know, a variety of different ways that they have struggled with forgiveness or practiced forgiveness, because I think it speaks to how complicated the topic of forgiveness is for all of us and how all of us have such a unique relationship with forgiveness and a unique take on it and, and the role that it plays in our lives. So I myself kind of put together an, an ideal list of people who had, you know, spoke about forgiveness or people who had been referred to me about their forgiveness journeys and haven't necessarily spoke about it on a public level before. So I blindly reached out to a bunch of people and these 22 people all agreed to be a part of this project, really with the hope of sharing their story to help another person in their forgiveness journey. So I think because they all have a common desire and goal to be of help and of service to other people in their forgiveness journey. It made the book that much stronger and also allowed for us to end up with a book that had a really great variety of different forgiveness journeys. So I was really excited about that. And you mentioned in the book this this term conscious forgiveness. So let's say I'm struggling to forgive a friend or something. How can I practice conscious forgiveness? I think conscious forgiveness is really just like the idea that you are opening your life and your heart to forgiveness. There are so many people that I've encountered along the way that are very closed off to the idea of forgiveness in their life and, you know, and forgiveness with a specific person or a specific incident. And so I found that when you are even open to forgiveness in the first place is the first best step towards being able to practice forgiveness. And even when we have moments of, you know, triggers in our lives that take us back to feeling sad or angry about a specific situation and about incidents that had happened that we thought that we had practiced forgiveness with, I think, you know, it's important to be gentle with yourself in that process and to, again, have conscious forgiveness to bring you back to a place of living in a forgiveness mentality. So that's really what I mean by conscious forgiveness and making the choice to live in a place of forgiveness. And it's funny because sometimes when I think about forgiveness, it's what that will do for the other person. But forgiving actually has so many benefits just to yourself, which is something that you might not necessarily consider when debating whether or not to forgive someone. I don't know if people even have this consciously top of mind, like will I or won't I forgive this person? But I think how you shined the light on sort of, you know, like in particular, Chris Williams's essay, when you say holding on to anger is like keeping the wound fresh and open. You never give it a chance to heal, right? Like if you hold on to the pain, it's your loss as well. So tell me more about that. Right. Yeah, I think that, well, for me, I, I kind of went into this book feeling just like that, that forgiveness was something that I was going to be giving to another person. And that comes with a lot of really complicated feelings because you feel like, okay, if somebody just caused me harm or pain and I'm giving them a gift of forgiveness or I'm giving them something, then what is the purpose of that? And like, why would I do that? Because they just inflicted pain upon me. So it's a confusing thing. But then when I started doing this book and talked to a lot of the amazing people in this book, I was, you know, 
quickly told and explained to that forgiveness has nothing to do with giving another person anything. It is only about giving yourself a gift and that is the gift of forgiveness. So I think when we're able to shift our mentality and allow ourselves to really understand what the role of forgiveness plays in our lives and see that it is a gift that we're actually only giving to ourselves. And while it might have, you know, a great ripple effect on people surrounding our lives, it's not a gift that you're giving to anyone but yourself. And that is the gift of freedom. So when I was able to kind of shift that mentality in my head, it really allowed for me to be able to welcome forgiveness into my life in a totally different way that felt much more empowering and much more, you know, much more like I was taking my power back and I was in control than me giving anybody any gift per se. I love that. And it's so important. I feel like, especially with all of us now at home, (laughs) I mean, we have all this extra time perhaps to reflect, right? Like, what are my flawed relationships? What grudges am I keeping? Like, maybe there's some way it's almost it's nice. Like it's a, you know, it's like shedding a layer of clothing, right? Taking off all those, all the baggage of the people you haven't forgiven, even for tiny slights, right? As opposed to massive things like some of the ones in your book. So I think your book is particularly useful at a time like now when, when we can sort of go inside more and, and think things through. Like this is such a, like your gift of forgiveness is something you can actually give everybody right now. So it's perfect. Yeah. It's actually interesting because I think when I came out with my book, a couple of weeks ago, it was kind of just at the beginning of this whole uh, coronavirus pandemic, which has, you know, been really challenging for a huge amount of people. And there are many people who are at home in quarantine. And then, of course, a lot of people who are not able to be at home in quarantine and are working and are in hospitals and really on the front lines. And so I have nothing but respect for all of them. And I think a lot of people are who are, you know, at home and in quarantine and are having all of this, you know, time in solitude or time with their family or, you know, with whoever they're with, it's giving people a lot of time to reflect on ways that they can better themselves that we normally would never give ourselves in our fast paced society. So I think the silver lining there definitely is that we might be able to focus on things like forgiveness and, you know, who we might need to still forgive in our lives that normally had we not been put in this quarantine or state of, you know, being locked in our house and not being able to do anything, we never would have really sat down and given ourselves the time to think about. So I think that there's a little bit of beauty in that. Have you thought of anybody new you can forgive or have you basically crossed everyone off your list in the process of writing this book? (laughs) I mean, I've definitely done a deep dive of forgiveness while writing this book. So, but I'm always excited to be able to talk to people and to kind of grow and continue to learn when it comes to forgiveness, which I think is really important. And I love how at the end of the, at the end of the book, you even include like a fill in, fill in your own letter to someone type of activity that you can do to, you're like totally empowering the reader to not just like read the book, but then have an actionable response at the end, which I think is great, right? Because that's really what you are trying to do. I mean, I'm assuming that what you're trying to do, and you can speak to this, is trying to get other people to benefit the way you have, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that one thing that I really realized in my two, two and a half years of writing this book and working on this project is that when you bring up the word forgiveness with people, whether it's somebody that you know really well or someone that you don't know at all, when you, you know, talk about forgiveness, it's not something that, you know, obviously we're sitting around talking about frequently. And oftentimes people 
go back to a specific incident that, you know, that they need to work on or that's still troubling them or maybe they didn't know is still troubling them. And so it's been really interesting to me to see reactions from people where, you know, you say I'm working on a book on forgiveness and people go back to somebody who bullied them in high school and it's been 30 years and they realize that they're still not over it. Or, you know, someone that hurt their feelings five years ago or wronged them five years ago and that they realize that they still are carrying that around and really want to let that go. So it was important to me to be able to have that blank page section at the back of the book because after reading all of these people's stories, you will be, you know, you certain people's stories will resonate more with you than others. And you will also be triggered to think about specific people or situations in your life that might, you know, be helpful to have a place where you could write down their names, write someone specific, a letter, you know, or just kind of get your thoughts flowing when it comes to your forgiveness journey. So it felt helpful to kind of have that in there. And I loved how you included Deborah Kopakin's story. Deb was on my podcast and I adore her and we've become friends, but her essay about how, well, not your, not her essay, your chapter about how she forgave her rapist from years before and reached out and wrote him a letter after so many years. And how your point of that whole chapter is there's no time limit on forgiveness. So it doesn't have to be something that happened in the last couple of years, but even something from your way back in the day can be beneficial to sort of exhume and then sort of address even now. Yeah, I think it's really encouraging for people to be able to, to hear that, you know, someone like Deborah Kopakin wrote her rapist a letter and was able to practice forgiveness 30 years later. And when I had asked her that, you know, I said like, oh, do you wish you had done this sooner? She was like, no, I don't, because I would not have been able to be ready for it or have welcomed it in my life any earlier than what I've been able to do now. So I think it's a lot of us feel, I think, like, oh, you know, I haven't been able to practice forgiveness with this person and it's been, you know, five years or 10 years and will I ever get there? And to be able to see that there are people who are, you know, still struggling with it, people who get there after 15 years, 30 years, whatever it is, or 50 years, and it's still okay to do that. And that to me was really encouraging because it showed that there's no time limit on your forgiveness journey. And it's not about, you know, hurrying up and doing it the week that something happens or the day that something happens, you really do it in your own time. What should we do if there's someone who hasn't forgiven us? Like, let's say there's, some of this is about control, right? Like I'm taking the control back on the incidents that have happened. And by forgiving someone, it's essentially like, you know, I'm taking ownership of my part in this and and I'm closing the loop on this incident because I've forgiven it. So now I've in my head put it to bed, right? And it's lifted this load from me. But what if somebody hasn't forgiven me? Now, I'm trying to think of somebody who maybe hasn't forgiven me. I have a couple of things I'm stewing about in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but is there anything aside from um, mailing think, them a copy of your book? What can we do? I mean, I think it's really about after you ask for someone else's forgiveness, it's really then about, you know, you practicing self-forgiveness, which is incredibly challenging. And we talk a lot about that in the book because it is such a complicated topic and and it's one that people, you know, most of us struggle with throughout our entire lives. So I think once you've asked someone for forgiveness and that's totally up to them and, and you know, what they decide to do or how they decide to handle it. And then at the end of the day, you can't control another person. So you really have to just focus on self-forgiveness. And that is really the only place to go to after you've asked someone else and realize that it's not in your control any longer. 
So at the end of the book, you say, and I'm going to quote you, I'm a different person today because of the stories in this book. And now that you've read it, perhaps you are too. So how did the book change you? And here's my assignment is try to answer this question without using the word forgiveness. (laughs) I mean, the book has changed me because it's shown me other people's experiences and other people's journeys that have broadened my view of a variety of different ways to live life, welcome certain things in your life, be closed off to certain things in your life, and how being open to certain acts of empowerment and power in yourself, self-power, self, it, it really focuses a huge amount. And I'm going to use the word forgiveness because that's what the book is about, but it really opens it opens your view on how complicated the topic of forgiveness really is and also allows yourself to be really encouraged to be able to practice it in a variety of different ways. So I think it shows you and it showed me really that that all of these people were so willing to open up to me and be vulnerable and just express themselves and go really deep into their you know, pain and heartache and experiences just to be able to give other people the gift of their journey and their experience with forgiveness. So I think it showed me that that writing this book showed me how much I had to learn when it came to forgiveness, how many types of ways there are to practice it and to not practice it and to struggle with it. And, you know, coming out with this book and talking to different people has really allowed me to see how needed the conversation around forgiveness really is. So it's all been a really, you know, dramatically life-changing experience for me and has been really moving and emotional for me to be able to see people connect to the topic that this book is really about. I love that. That's amazing. Can you talk to your process of writing the book? How long did it take and like, where did you like to write it and how, you know, what was your process like? Yeah. I mean, I tend to be most productive in the morning. So I tried to do a lot of my work early in the morning and I'm an early riser. So that helped me a lot. And then I would kind of put myself, I I would make myself structured hours. So whether it was working from eight to three or from seven to three, I, you know, whenever I would be able to have structure in my life, that really helps with a writing process because I think anybody that you talk to that's a writer will tell you sometimes that, you know, not having structure in your day can make the whole process much more challenging. So I do really well with structure. So I kind of help, it helps to have that and to be held accountable. And I would also try and have, you know, friends who were also writing that we could all sit and write together. So we would hold each other accountable for getting things done. And when I would do the interviews with people, I was really just dependent on other people's schedules. So, you know, whether it was doing interview over the phone or going and meeting somebody and doing an interview in person, it was a really amazing experience and, and one where, you know, a lot of the time after an interview, I needed to sit and digest the information and sit with all of these incredible stories and inspiring stories and see how they resonated and sat with me in my life. So it was a great experience and a different one than my previous book. So it was an eye-opening one for sure. And do you have more books in you? Do you, do you have any other projects on the horizon? I mean, I hope so. I, <laughs> I'm really focusing on, you know, making sure that this book is my priority right now because I've worked on it for two and a half years. And anybody who's done a book will tell you that birthing a book is a really 
wild process and one that you put a huge amount of time and energy and work into. So I want to make sure to, you know, not get off focus and go try and work on another book right away because it's really important to me to, you know, do these 22 people there and be able to, you know, spread the message that they put in this book and talk about their book. I mean, talk about their stories and talk about this book in a really important way because I think it's really needed, especially right now, even though we're all at home. So that's my main focus right now, but I definitely hope to do more books in my future. Do you have any advice to aspiring authors? I mean, I would tell them to, you know, to work hard at it and that if somebody doesn't believe in your, in your idea or your desire to write something specific, that keep trying because it only takes one person to, you know, say yes. And then also there are a huge amount of people who are doing self-published books now anyway. So I think it's a really exciting time for writers and for authors and, and an empowering time as well. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that my podcast can help a little bit and getting the message of your book out and, you know, I'll do my part because I think that I think that the message of your book is really fantastic and that the stories inside, like you said, are, you know, they make you stop in your tracks and think about your life and what it means to sort of love and forgive and, you know, really just interact with others. And it's really a beautiful book, especially for now. So I really thank you for writing it and bringing these stories to life and letting me help you usher it out out there (laughs) in the small way that I can. So Awesome. All right. Thank, thank you. you so much. All right. Thanks I appreciate a lot. it. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zibby Owens. Please make sure to sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com to get more updates about episodes like these and also lots of live events. Thanks again to Good Pods for sponsoring this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. You can follow me on Instagram at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Thanks for listening. You could always email me at zibby at zibbyowens.com. 